Hello? Good. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, please turn to your Bibles. Uh, today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Listen now to the word of the Lord. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, and they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your fe- for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The word of the Lord. No, yes, there we go, okay. All right, welcome. Um, For those of you who are uh, new to our service, we are working through the New City Catechism, and we are on now question number 38. So we're getting close to the finish line. Um, So we'd like to just do a little review as we continue with the series, so if you if I can get question 36 up there. So we're now in the third and final section uh, centered around the Holy Spirit. So let's review together. Question 36. What do we believe about the Holy Spirit? Father, Father, 37. How does the Holy Spirit help us? And today, the question we are going to deal with is, what is prayer? And the full answer uh, is prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. Uh, Most of you, when you were probably younger, learned the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, and that's what this uh, full answer gets at, A for adoration, C for confession, T for thanksgiving, and S for supplication. You probably learned that those are the four parts of a prayer, 
or four kinds of prayer. And so that's the answer here, that prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise or adoration, petition or supplication, confession of sin, confession, and thanksgiving. Uh, But what we're going to learn, uh, a little bit condensed, is um, prayer is pouring out our hearts to God. So together, prayer is pouring out our hearts to God. So that's what we're going to deal with. Uh, Next week, I'm going to deal with question 41, which asks, what is the Lord's Prayer? And so we're going to skip questions 39 and 40. I'm going to incorporate those thoughts into today's and next week's sermon. Question 39 asks, with what attitude should we pray? Answer, with love, perseverance, and gladness, gratefulness. And question 40, what should we pray? And the answer is the whole word of God directs us. Uh, And so we're going to skip those two questions and focus today on on what is prayer and next week, what is the Lord's prayer. And so we're going to look at uh, today's reading today and uh, next week. All right, Uh, let's pray together. God, we thank you again uh, for this time that we have to hear your word. And we ask that in the hearing of your word, uh, we would obey. Help us to not just understand what prayer is, but to actually pray. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So our reading today, again, it's, it's a little unclear in our English translations, but it begins with the plural you in verse 5. And so Jesus is giving this teaching to everyone, but starting in verse 6, Jesus switches to the singular you. In other words, the assumption is that all the disciples are praying when you all pray, right? He's not saying if you pray or anything like that. When you all pray, so he's talking about everyone, but then he says you should pray like this or you should not pray like this. And here he switches to the singular. And so he's really here talking about the kind of personal, private prayers rather than the kind of prayers that we might have uh, together in times of worship like today. So while we can apply this teaching to all kinds of prayers, uh, I want you to remember that this is really talking about personal, private times of prayer and devotion. And Jesus says here today, here are the two wrong ways of praying. This is the way you should not pray. And next week we'll see how we are supposed to pray. But today, he teaches us about how we should not pray. And the first way we should not pray, he says, is don't be like the hypocrites who pray to be seen. Don't be like the hypocrites who pray to be seen. You may know that the word hypocrite in Greek originally meant an actor. So, Because an actor is someone who went on stage and pretended to be someone else. Else. And so over time, that word took on a more pejorative meaning to come today to mean someone who, you know, fakes, who's insincere, you know, who puts on a show, uh, things like that. And here, in fact, you can see the word uh, to be seen is the word from which we get the word theater in English. So this is what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is someone who is on stage to be seen and puts on a mask and uh, appears to be someone else. Uh, in ancient times, that's, and today, right, that's what actors do. They pretend to be someone else. And, t- of course, today, to be called a hypocrite is not, it's not a compliment. Right? I don't know if the Greeks actually said this, but maybe they would have said, you're a great hypocrite, meaning, you know, that was a great uh, act. 
Um, but today, we, we think of a hypocrite as someone who, who feigns sincerity, right? To uh, pretend to be someone else to make themselves look better uh, in front of other people. And so Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that with your prayers. Don't act religious to be seen by others. Don't make your prayers something that you show off as if you're on stage. And notice Jesus says, you know, don't let your prayers be seen by others, right? He doesn't even say, don't be like them who, who like to be seen for their prayers, not, not heard, right? You normally think of prayers as being heard, but this is what hypocrites do. They're concerned about being seen, looking, you know, holy and so on. They, they don't even care what the words actually are. Now, of course, we have a kind of um, fundamental human need to be noticed. We, we want to be seen. We want to be noticed, right? When, when you come into the church, you know, you want people to greet you, to say hello, to, to know that you're here. Um, I can remember when my kids were little, uh, they would often say, you know, daddy, daddy, look at me, look at me. And I'd look and they'd do something very unimpressive, like making a funny face. I'm like, look at me, look at me. Like, that, that's great, you know. Uh, but it's this desire to, to, to be noticed. And even children... And I guess even adults, you know, who are more shy by nature, you still want some sort of acknowledgement. You know, you don't want to be in the spotlight. You don't want to be in the center of attention. But you want to be acknowledged in some way that your contributions, your sacrifices, your competence somehow matters. It's a way of saying, you know, I want my life to count for something. I want someone to affirm that my life matters to be seen. You know, in, in our world, it's, it's as though life only matters if you get acknowledgement on social media, right? It's all about looking good in a selfie, how many followers and likes and retweets that you get. And, and it seems to me it's just an updated form of asking and crying out for, look at me, look at me. And, and it's no wonder. You know, we live in a, a world now where the primary narrative is that of scientific materialism, secular humanism, which argues that there, there is nothing else. This is it. The physical reality that you see in the world today, that's all there is. And so you better grab whatever you can, however you can, because there is nothing else afterwards. And yet that, that desire to be noticed makes me wonder, isn't doesn't that betray some, some deeper sense, some, something in us that cries out for a deeper meaning? In Jesus' day, the way you made your life count or the way that life mattered was that you would belong to a particular group that was worthy or honorable. Uh, the entire key to your social standing, your self-esteem, if you want, was the concept of honor. Honor defined success, and a well-lived life. While we pursue today wealth or success, they pursued honor. And to get people to you know, honor you or to admire you because you did honorable acts, that you behaved in an honorable way, that was the rule of life by which everyone played. And so even though we sort of have these negative uh, feelings about the Pharisees, for religious people, they were greatly admired. They were the people who were really, really committed to prayer. They were the people who modeled what it was to be, to be holy and separated from the rest of the, you know, the world. 
And they were the ones who would be praying on the street corners. Now, as far as I know, no one here does that. No one goes to the street corners in the middle of the day to, to pray to be seen. Uh, why would anybody do that? Well, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees in particular, they prayed a lot. They prayed, I mean, the whole day. There were appointed times of prayer at morning, noon, at 3 o'clock. They prayed the, what's known as the 18 benedictions three times a day. They confessed the Shema in the morning and at night. They had table prayers before, during, and after the meals. They prayed doxologies at every occasion and opportunity. The saying that life is prayer was, you know, almost literally true for them. They were in constant, constant prayer. And so if if you're a Pharisee, imagine, you know, you're you're working at your job, and it's 3 o'clock, you stop what you're doing, and you say your prayers. And some of them, you know, they would just pray where they are quietly, you know, without making a big fuss. But some of these guys would actually go to the busy intersections or maybe to their local synagogue and they would position, them, position themselves where they will be noticeable and they would pray, right? Look at me, I'm praying, right? It's, it's a way of making their religion very, very public. And the people would see them and say, wow, look at, look at those guys. I mean, they're really religious. They're really committed to God. And Jesus says, don't do that. He says, don't do that. The problem isn't that they pray. The problem isn't even that they're praying on the street corners. Jesus says the problem is, don't pray, whether in the synagogues, in the church, or in the street corners, don't pray to be seen. That's the problem. Don't pray to be seen. Don't let your motivation for prayer be that others will say, and you know, like, wow, what a great prayer this person is. Don't let public acknowledgement be the driving force for your prayers. People will say, if you do that, wow, what a great prayer warrior. What a, what a spiritual person. What a dedicated person. You will get that. You will get that acknowledgement. People will say that. But that's all you're going to get. That's it. There's nothing else. And so Jesus says, don't do that. Way, way back when I was in college, I knew a guy who um, had his um, watch uh, had the alarm go off every hour. So at every hour, you know, it would make a little buzzing or vibration on, on his wrist, and he would stop whatever he was doing to offer up a prayer. This was his way of trying to remind himself to be more prayerful. So every hour, you know, whenever the his watch went off, he would stop whatever he was doing, and he would just say a, say a quick prayer. You know, and so um, as a young Christian, I thought that was pretty cool, right? I thought, wow, this guy's really committed. And so I, I wanted to do the same thing, right? So I set my watch to go off every hour, so I'm doing the same thing. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a good idea, right? To remind yourself to pray every hour. Like now my watch goes off every hour telling me to get off my butt and walk around a little bit because, you know, that's, that's what mine does now. Um, so it, it starts out as, as good, with good intent, but it becomes, I realize, it's very annoying, it's very interruptive, and it becomes a temptation to show off, right? I'd be in a conversation with someone and my watch would buzz and I'd be like, excuse me, I gotta pray. <laughs> 
you know? And I especially loved it if I'm talking with, like, a young Christian and, you know, like, oh, yeah, you're not as spiritual and mature as me, but I got to pray right here. You know, I know I pray. And say, it's like, look at me. Someday you can be as a big a hypocrite as me, right? That's, that's what I was doing. Uh, in the novel, The Catcher in the Rye, the main character, Holden Caulfield, made this observation. If you do something good, then after a while, if you don't watch it, you start showing off. And then you're not as good anymore. Isn't that true? If you don't watch it, you start showing off. And Jesus says, watch it. He knows the motivation of the hypocrites. He knows that they're doing it, not to pray, but to show off. Now, we don't know. We don't know the motivations of people. So this is not permission for us to judge people. Like, next time you see someone, say, oh, there's a hypocrite. That's not, that's not what this is getting at, okay? It's not about judging others' prayer life. It's about checking our own motives, okay? Because we don't know what's motivating others. Because I think, you know, what makes the Christian life so difficult and so, and certainly unjudgeable, is that we have to, we have to not only know what is right, we have to not only do what is right, but we have to do what is right with the right intent. It's not good enough for us just to do the right thing. We have to do the right thing in the right way. And that's very, very hard, right? It's not good enough to feed the hungry, to care for the sick, to give money to missions, to visit people who are sick or in prison. We have to do it in, a, in the right sort of way. If you love someone and you think, wow, what a loving person I am, you're no longer loving them. If you give to the poor and you think, what a generous person I am, you're no longer generous. There are many, many people, many, many organizations in the world today doing a lot of good. And on the outside, the good that different people, different organizations are doing, it all looks the same. If an atheist, you know, or a serial killer gives $5 to a cause and, you know, and you give $5 to a particular cause, it all looks the same. It's still $5, right? But the intent behind that giving makes all the difference in God's eyes. That's what matters eternally. And so we have to get our actions right, but we have to get the intentions behind those actions, especially when it comes to prayer, right. And this is, this is really, really, really hard because all of us, we're all hypocrites to some degree. It's, it's just almost impossible to get out of this situation. In fact, I was just thinking about this week how you know, I have to teach today preach about private prayers and, and how we do that and stuff, and I have to do it in such a way that I don't show off, right? I can't tell you about, like, this is how I pray, and, you know, you can imitate this because, you know, I'm so spiritual. Like, I can't do that because then, you know, I come off like a show-off. But now, so I'm not going to tell you that, but now I'm showing off by showing you how I'm not showing off, <laughs> right? You know, in the past, I've even hesitated to, I've hesitated to tell people I'm, I'm even praying for them because I didn't want to come off like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm praying for you because I'm so spiritual, right? But then I think to myself, oh my gosh, you know, what if they think I don't pray and they think I'm a terrible pastor, so well, I better tell them I'm praying for them, otherwise, you know, they're going to have this terrible opinion of me, right? And you, you see how wrong-headed 
and what kind of trap you can fall into where you're thinking about what do people think about me when I talk about prayers or don't talk about prayers. And, and that's the trap that we're falling into because we're, we're so concerned about what are people going to think of me and about my prayer life, about my spirituality. And Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. He says you have a choice. You can pray to be seen or you can pray in secret. And whichever way you do this, you're going to get a reward. So the choice is, which reward do you want? Do you want the temporary acknowledgement and the applause of people? Or do you want the eternal reward from God? That's the choice. So you'll get a reward. When you pray, someone's going to say, good job. Do you want that to be the people around you? Or do you want that to be something more eternal? That's the choice. And Jesus says, choose God. Choose God. Go to your room, or uh, the word here is it's a, like a small storeroom. You know, most people in those days didn't really have a lot of rooms in their home. So he's talking about like the storeroom where they might keep, you know, feed for the animals and tools and like, think like a pantry or a closet in your house, right? Something, basically he's talking about a place where you can go and have some privacy. Just be, by, be alone. Just get away from people. So you, you're, so you remove the temptation of being seen and go there and pray. And then you will have your reward in heaven. So he says, don't be like the hypocrites. Secondly, Jesus says, don't be like the Gentiles or the pagans who think they will be heard for their many words. So the problem with the Gentiles is that they would say all these words thinking that the more words that they use or if they use certain kind of words that their gods will hear them. Pagans generally thought that their gods were far, far off, these deities, and that you had a shout to be heard to get their attention because so many people were seeking their attention and you were competing against these other people. Or they thought that the gods would only listen if you prayed you know, sufficiently long enough or if you, you know, somehow knew, their, knew how to pronounce their name correctly, then you would have them in, you know, in your power and they would be kind of forced to bless you. They thought that if you said certain word combinations, and so sometimes they would just talk on and on and on, hoping that some part of that prayer would be the right combination, right? Like some sort of a uh, prayer password that will unlock the blessings of your gods. And so people would do all these kinds of things, and Jesus says, no, no, no. That is not the way you pray. Words are not, you know, uh, some, some way of cracking the code to, to manipulate the gods to bless you. Um, maybe you've been in prayer meetings where something like that happens, where people, you know, speak really loudly, you know, trying to out-speak others or, or so fervently think, you know, like if I pray fervently enough, God will have to listen to me uh, as, if, as if the more effort you make, somehow God will not be forced to pay attention to me. And Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. The reason is because, he says, God knows exactly what you need before you even ask. God knows what you need even before you ask. You know, um, I was thinking that about this. One of my sons recently uh, needed or needs a new pair of sneakers. Um, he's a boy, 
So he doesn't really notice that his sneakers need to be replaced. But at some point, he's going to say, you know what? I need new sneakers. And when he arrives at that conclusion, he's going to ask, mom, dad, I need some sneakers. Now, when he asks, he doesn't have to use a really long series of words, you know, honorable father, oh, great one, you with the multiple credit cards, right? I mean, he doesn't have to go into all of that and beg and, you know, please, please. Right? He doesn't have to do all. He just needs to say, Dad, Mom, I need some sneakers. That's all he has to say, right? Because I know, I've known that he, okay, rephrase, my wife has known <laughs> that he needs that new pair of sneakers for a long time. Even before he asked, we knew what he needs. Isaiah 65, 24. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. As a good parent, you know the needs of your kids even before they know their needs. You anticipate them even before the child becomes aware of them. How much more then does God know our needs? In fact, the most important word in this teaching that Jesus gives here is this word, Father. Father. God is not some far-off deity that needs to be nagged and nagged with the right combination of words to begrudgingly give us some, some trifle. That is not our God. Jesus says, he's the Father. He's the Father. And so we come and we ask as if we're asking the Father, right? There's a relationship here underlying all of this. That's why we pray, because of the relationship. You know, some people might wonder, you know, then why do we bother even praying at all? Why ask God for something if God knows everything and God's going to give us what we need anyway? What's, what's the point of praying and asking God for something? But you see, that, that question, that question means that you've completely missed the point. You've completely missed the point of prayer. When you're praying, you are not giving God some sort of a news briefing as if God needs to be informed about your situation. You know, you're not saying, God, you know, I, I know you didn't expect this, but we need some more books for the uh, West Virginia mission team, and so could you make sure some people bring extra books? Like, yeah, God, God knows. It's not like you're not surprising him with this uh, information. That's what the pagans thought, right? They thought, you know, not only does God, you have to get their attention, but you have to inform them of what you need because they don't care about you. And so you've got to let them know, this is what I need. But we are praying to the Father. That changes everything. If you think of God only as, you know, this thing out there that gives you stuff or that you only go to God when you need stuff, then yeah, there's no point in prayer if that's, all, if that's what it is. If all you're interested or all you're thinking about prayer is that it's what I do when I need something from this powerful being, then yeah, you don't need to have a conversation. But if God is your loving father and it's a relationship, then then there's this desire for an ever-increasing intimacy. And prayer is not just asking for stuff. Think about your best friends. Think about the closest people in your lives. Suppose you need something. If they're really good friends, they know what you need, right? 
If they're really good friends, they know what your needs are. Maybe you need a hug or, you know, they know if you need a job. They know, you know, if you need a good meal. They know if you need a boyfriend. Like, they know what you need. You don't have to tell them, like, you know what, I really need this. Like, they know. But you tell them anyway. Why? Because you want them to be a part of that conversation. You want them to know you in a deeper way. So, so them knowing doesn't prevent you from sharing. In fact, it's an invitation to share even more. And that's what I think this is. It's not about getting stuff. It's about knowing the Father. It's about knowing the Father. So Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites and don't be like the pagans. Know that you are praying to the Father. All right, so let me just make um, four brief comments about what I think prayer is and how we ought to pray. First, I want to say that prayers, and I'm talking about private, your personal prayers now. Private, personal prayers are directed to God and not to people. Karl Barth said that prayer is not prayer if it is addressed to anyone else but God. Right? So this is the difference, I would say, between the prayer that you pray on your own and maybe the kind of prayers that you do publicly. Because when you're praying with other people, you can't help but to shape your words based on the people that are around you, right? Like, like when I have to pray for a meal and there are like kids around, I will change my vocabulary. I will change my language because I know the kids are listening and I want the kids to understand what I'm saying. So my mind is not 100% on God. I'm not praying to God anymore. I am praying to God, but I'm thinking about what do I want the people to hear. You see? And so I've drifted from what prayer ought to be, just direct communication with God, right? Sometimes when I'm praying with adults, you know, I, when I'm praying, I realize I'm, I'm doing like a mini sermon, right? Or I'm getting a little admonition in there, right? If I'm praying with somebody who doesn't have like, let's say, let's say they're, um, they're impatient, you know, I might pray something like, God, you are a God of patience, you know, hoping that it kind of sneak in there like without, right? That's not prayer. That's not prayer. It has to be directed toward God. Not like the hypocrites to be seen, but directed toward God and God only. Any prayer where, you, where you're trying to show off to demonstrate your faith or even to try to edify others in your prayer, that is not prayer. It's just hypocrisy. And again, it's really hard when you're praying with other people, right? So, so this is why it's so important to pray alone because hopefully when you're alone, you're not thinking about oh, what are the people around me going to think about this prayer? i got to pray so that they think I'm a good prayer-er, right? You're not thinking about any of that, hopefully. You're just thinking about, what do I really want to say to God? And, and so that's the thing, right? At the simplest level, prayer is simply a conversation between a child and his or her father. That's it. It's just a conversation that you're having with your father. Your audience is God and God alone, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. It has to be just God. It's an opportunity to be you know, honest and open uh, before God. And it's, again, it, it's with God. I, I don't know if you've heard this, but people have said things like, um, prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes you or me. Have you heard that? Right? That's not right. Right? Because people use it to talk. It's, it's as if, like, well, God's not really there. You pray so that when you pray, you're somehow psychologically, you know, 
affecting your brain or like you're changing your heart or somehow, you know, you're meditating on these words and so it's an opportunity to, you know, uh, improve myself. That, that's not prayer. That, that's just psychological trickery. You're praying to a real person. You're praying with God. You're speaking with God. As crazy as that sounds. You're speaking actual words to an actual being. And, and that's what you've got to get in your mind. That that is what prayer is. It's directed toward God. Second, private prayers have to be private. Jesus says, go to a private space. And I think you have to carve out these intentional times where you can fully concentrate on God. And so, like, if you like to pray, like, on your commute to work, that's fine, but that's not good enough. Because, you know, part of your attention is still on the road, hopefully, at least a part of it, right? You need to get into some space and some time that you have to carve out intentionally where you can 100% focus on God. Nothing else. No distractions. You don't have to make an announcement here, but, you know, put it in your uh, calendars or whatever you use to carve out some time where you can give God 100% attention and speak with him for some private conversation. And you want to be in a private space because I would encourage you to speak words out loud, to pray out loud, because you're not just entering into some sort of like mystical meditation where you're trying to enter and experience the presence of God and all that kind of stuff. It, you're trying to speak words to God out loud. It, it's actual words to an actual person. And so, so find that space. Make it a habit into your daily schedule and speak those words out loud. Don't let anyone hear you. Don't let anyone hear you. Because if they don't know what you're doing, if they don't see you, then they can't praise you. Take that temptation out of the equation. Then you know that you're just trying to really speak with God and God alone. And hopefully your words will only be to God and your concern will only be, what does God think? And it will only be just you and God. And then you'll get the reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. Third, these private prayers, I would encourage you to begin by being brief. As Jesus says, you know, you're not going to be heard because you say more words. Now, you can pray long prayers, and, and I think over time, you, your prayers will probably get longer because uh, in any relationship, you know, you, you, as you deepen, you may have more things to say. But Jesus here says, begin with brief prayers. More words are not going to, you know, help you here. Now, again, it is true that we are called also to pray without ceasing, that we are to persevere in, uh, in our prayers. But first, Jesus wants us to know that saying more words is not going to get God to pay more attention. Because God is the loving Father. And more words are not going to sway him one way or the other. So, as I said, if you really want to be brief, you can begin with these one-word prayers, uh, like the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. You can, four-word prayers, adoration, right, confession, thanksgiving, Supplication. Uh, Anne Lamott, uh, in her book on prayer, says, you know, there are only three prayers, she says. Um, wow, thanks, and help. Help, help, thanks, and wow. Or some combination of those three words, right? So wow, 
That's praise or adoration. Help is supplication. And thanks is thanksgiving. Now, I don't think she's quite right. So, um, in, my, in my mind, I think there are five prayers, five words that we can begin with. So, I think there is while, that's important, to, to praise God for what God has done. And, and when you witness what the great things God has done, help, yes, supplication, we, we ask God for help for ourselves, for others. Thanks, thanksgiving, absolutely. But, you know, she leaves out confession, confession of sin. That's a prayer that needs to be made. And we see that in Acts. But I think even Acts, the acronym Acts, is missing one more. And that's, for me, that's the letter L for lament. And the word for that, for me, would be why. So I think those five words covers all all prayers. While, help, thanks, sorry, and why. Begin with that brief word, just one word, and see where that takes you. See where that conversation takes you. And fourth and last, private prayers must be sincere. They have to be sincere, right? Because you're alone with God. Uh, I've told you before that the best piece of advice on prayer that I've ever read uh, comes from C.S. Lewis's letters to Malcolm, chiefly on prayer. In it, he says this, it is no use to ask God with factitious earnestness for A, when our whole mind is in reality filled with the desire for B. We must lay before God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. I think that's really the best piece of advice that I can give back to you as well. You have to pray what's on your mind and in your hearts, not what you think should be on your heart and your mind. There's no use praying for this when all you're thinking about is this, right? Like, I know I should be praying, you know, for the West Virginia team because they're going on on this mission trip, but what I'm really thinking about is what I'm going to have for lunch tomorrow. Like, if that's all that's on your mind, that's bad, but (laughs) you're not fooling God. Begin there. Uh, You know, don't stay there, but Lay before God what is in you, not what, you, what ought to be there or what you think ought to be there. Be sincere, be authentic, be real before God. It's not like you're going to fool God. Have an honest conversation with God. So, you know, you don't pray what you think you should pray. You just pray what, what is in your hearts. Because, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, reminds us that we don't even know how to pray, but thankfully, the Spirit makes intercession for us. So, so when you don't even know what to say and, and you're thinking about, you know, a bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich, the spirit will lead you away from that. But when you pray, so you've got to pray. And maybe just a word. But have that authentic, honest, sincere conversation. We can be who we truly are without worry of trying to impress some people or embarrassing ourselves because of you know, the, our words, we can truly be who we truly are because we're praying, again, to the Father. And the Father loves us unconditionally. The Father loved us that he gave his only son for us. That Father will listen. That Father knows who we are. Let's pray together. God, um, 
I know that the point of prayer isn't, isn't prayer, um, but it's really just having this honest conversation with you. It's not about how I feel about prayer or how I'm feeling, but simply to just come before you in humility. Even to, to say, you know, my prayer life is not what I think it ought to be. To acknowledge my weaknesses, my lack of prayers, and yet somehow to come before you and to trust in your goodness and in your wisdom. God, would, would you let our times of, of prayer lead us closer to you? Let that be our reward. Help, help us to just rest and, and to relish that reward that we can say that we have come to know you. So help us to pray in this way. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.